Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. This is a podcast at the Scattered Abroad Network. Go check us out. Check out SAN. You can check us out at our website at scatteredabroad.org. You can also find us in the various podcast apps of your choosing. We are continuing our study of 1 Peter this week, looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, part 2. Last week, we talked about the blessing of heaven, the fact that we are strangers and pilgrims wandering through this life, looking forward to being in heaven with God one day and receiving our wonderful inheritance that he has prepared for us. We talked about salvation of our souls and how the prophets wanted to see the end result of what Christ was coming to do uh, for them and for us as well. Certainly the prophets, through inspiration, prophesied of those things, but we talked about how maybe they were scratching their heads in the sense of really wanting to see the complete picture. Well, we can look back and see the complete picture. We have the complete will of God written. Uh, We've got the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. We've got the complete word of God. Uh, We get to look back to the fact that Jesus indeed accomplished exactly what those prophets said he was coming to accomplish. Even the angels desired to uh, look into these things. And so we talked about that. But we come to verse number 13, 1 Peter chapter 1, and we find the word, therefore, in view of the salvation that you and I can read about and can look back in confidence to the cross, knowing that Jesus did in fact accomplish exactly what he came to do, we can testify to the fact that God's grace that brings salvation has indeed come to man. So that's where we pick up this week, therefore, Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. What does the expression, gird up your loins, mean? As we come to verses 13 through 16, this section is is the idea of grace demanding holiness. Peter says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. What does it mean to gird up the loins? It means to prepare for battle. In ancient times and moments of battle, the men would be wearing long tunics down to their legs. And in order to prepare for battle, they would take a belt and they would gird up their loins. That is, they would gather the cloth and bunch it up and tighten it in such a way with their belt that it freed up their lower legs so that they could run to battle. Peter says we need to gird up our loins and we need to get ready for fighting. He says that we have to be sober. He says, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We have to be sober. We have to practice self-control, and we have to rest our hope fully upon the grace that is brought to us with the final revelation of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, Jesus is going to return one day, and we're going to, uh, we've got, you know, God's grace in in prospect of eventually that's going to take place, but one day we're going to receive it Uh, in the sense that he's coming back for us. And, oh, we can't wait for that day. But I want to ask you this. Do we fully rest our hope upon him? That is, do we place all of our trust in him and upon his grace? You know, we sing about it sometimes. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, oh, how I trust him. How I've proved him or and or. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for 
grace to trust him more. Do we really trust him when we sing those words? Looking to thee from day to day, trusting thy grace along the way, knowing that thou wilt safely keep all that is thine, sure of thy soul-redeeming love, sure of a crown of life above. Do we trust in God's grace? Do we uh, understand like we talked about last week? Do we understand that, hey, God's not going to give the reservation away. He's got it there for us. And as long as we keep our end of things, we, we remain faithful, we're going to receive it. We're going to receive that inheritance. We're going to receive that reservation in heaven. We often also sing sometimes about blessed assurance. Well, do we have that assurance that we're supposed to have? We do if we're faithful Christians. John, the apostle, said, Here, hereby we can know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Well, a problem that many people have is they think that this grace that we're reading up here is a license to sin. Well, that's a problem because that is a glaring misunderstanding uh, of the Bible. Romans 6, verses 1 and following, uh, it doesn't work that way. Grace is not a license to keep on living in willful sin. Everyday Christians, as we're listening to this, as we're studying God's Word, grace is a wonderful thing, but it's not a license to keep on living in willful sin. Romans 6, verses 1 and following, Paul would write, uh, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? And he goes on in Romans 6. But the point is, no, uh, grace that we have when we obey the gospel is not a license to keep on living willfully, unrepentingly in sin. Well, speaking to that, let's talk about verse number 14 here in 1 Peter 1. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. Peter says, in view of God's grace, we are to be obedient children. You know, the same theme can actually be found in the book of Romans. I know that there are many false teachers who try to take the book of Romans and say, see, it's all about faith only, and as long as you've got faith, you're good to go, and you really don't have to amend your life. That's not what the book of Romans teaches at all. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 1 and verse number 5. Romans 1, verse number 5, says, Through him, that is through Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Right there at the beginning of Romans, he's talking about obedience to the faith, not just faith alone. Well, we go back to 1 Peter, and we continue looking at verse 14. As obedient children not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. You know, there's a, a there's something to be said for ignorance. There is. Uh, ignorance is not an excuse, and there are people who are ignorant that will be punished on the day of judgment. Uh, that said, we need to understand that uh, certainly there is something called Christian growth, and as we learn more and study more, we grow, and we learn not to be ignorant in certain things of our past that we used to be ignorant in. Well, that includes the former lust that we used to walk in. When we obey the gospel, what do we have to do before we obey the gospel? We have to repent. Repent and be converted, uh, Acts 3, verse 19. 
repent and be baptized, Acts 2 and verse 38. And so there's a repentance that is ta- that must take place uh, when we obey the gospel. But you know what? We have to continue to do that. When we obey the gospel, we're not just good to go and we can do whatever we want. We're not once saved, always saved, as so many people errantly teach. No, we've got to continue to pattern our lives after Christ. We've got to continue to grow, to transform. Um, and, you know, that's one of our podcasts at the Scattered Broad Network, being transformed. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. We have to renew our minds so that we can do that. Well, that is the growth process. And it's true that when we're a babe in Christ, we're here. And, you know, hopefully 10, 15, 20, 30 years later, we're much further than where we were when we were a babe in Christ. But we've got to grow. We can't stagnate. We can't stay where we are. Peter says, again, as obedient children, we're not to conform ourselves to the former lust as in our ignorance. But verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Verse 16, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Quoting from the book of Leviticus, Peter says that a holy God demands his followers to to be holy. And if we truly appreciate God's grace, if we truly appreciate what Jesus did for us on his cross, then that is exactly what we will strive to be. We will strive to be holy in all manner of life. Yes, that is a growing process. It's true. But we should be striving for that daily. As everyday Christians, we should uh, be stronger tomorrow than we were the day before and stronger the day after tomorrow as we were uh, the day before. Again, it's all about growth as Christians, and, and Peter's going to get into this in this book of First Peter. Let's get back to the heart of the matter for a moment, and let's go back to uh, the cross, and let's go back to the blood of the Lamb, verses 17 through 21. Verse 17 says, And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. In light of the fact that we all will be righteously and fairly judged without partiality according to our works. Well, that demands that we conduct ourselves a certain way, doesn't it? It it demands that we are to conduct ourselves in such a way that we will be judged faithful on the day of judgment. You know, this really isn't complicated. If we want to be judged faithful, we have to live faithfully according to the plan that is found in God's Word. Peter says that we must conduct ourselves throughout the time of our stay here. And I love how he says that, because we've talked about being pilgrims, we've talked about being wanderers on the earth. He says, well, we've got our stay here. And while we are here, we must conduct ourselves in fear. I'm reminded of Hebrews 12, verses 28 and 29. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. But then he adds, by which we may serve God. And what is that word? Acceptably. You see, we have to serve God acceptably, the way that he demands us to serve him. And how do we find that out? Well, we read it in God's word. 
Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. And notice this, with reverence, with awe and respect for God, as well as godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. We need to behold both the goodness and the severity of God as we read in the book of Romans. Verses 18 and 19 here in First Peter says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tra- tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It didn't take money to redeem us from the curse of sin. Money couldn't redeem us. If it could, then surely God would have offered money but instead he offered his son. It had to be his son, specifically the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us. Jesus Christ is the capital L, Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world, John 1 and verse 29. The lamb was perfect. He was without spot and without blemish, and with the blood of the lamb, God purchased a church, Acts 20 and verse 28. I'm reminded of Exodus chapter 12, the Passover lamb, which certainly is a type of the coming uh, antitype, which is the capital L lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That Passover lamb, what was he to be? He was to be taken without spot and without blemish. And the blood of the lamb offered safety for the firstborn in Israel. Well, do you see the type? Do you see the antitype in Christ? I'm reminded of the uh, other sacrifices that took place in the Levitical system in the Old Testament. And again, these animal sacrifices, these lambs, these goats were to be taken, uh, these bulls were to be taken without spot, without blemish. Uh, When you sin and you have to bring a a sin offering, a trespass offering before the Lord, uh, you take it to to the priest in the Levitical system, you have to take the best one from your flock. I'm reminded of the book of Malachi when they weren't doing that. They were taking the sick and the lame and the blind, and they were offering those as sacrifices to God, and God didn't accept it. God said, no, you've got to take the best, the very best lamb that you have, and you've got to see the blood. You've got to see the seriousness of sin. It's going to cost you something. It's You're going to have to sacrifice something. Why? Because you sinned against the holy God. God is holy. His justice, his divine justice demands that there be a sacrifice for sin. Well, we know what that is in the Old Testament, the Levitical system, but think about it even more so. Think about the seriousness of it when we come to the New Testament and the blood of the capital L Lamb of God was shed for you and for me. We weren't redeemed with money. We weren't redeemed with silver or gold. We were redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb of God, without blemish and without spot. Verse number 20. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. By the way, we are in the last times. Hebrews uh, 1, verses 1 and following. In these last days. It says, we are in the last days, in these last times. 
Indeed, Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world. This was the plan all along that Jesus would come and would offer himself for us. God knew man was going to end up sinning. God knew that we would need a Savior. And so before the foundation of the world, God made a way for sinful man to be redeemed. Jesus Christ is that way. Acts 4, verse 12, there's salvation and no other. John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Verse number 21, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. When we rightly insist on baptism for the remission of sins, because that's what the Bible teaches, sometimes we receive the accusation that we're making it all about ourselves, that we can somehow earn our salvation by being baptized. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach anywhere that we earn salvation. It doesn't teach anywhere that we deserve salvation. I read in the book of Luke that we are most unprofitable servants. Even if we've done all that God has asked us to do, and none of us can say that we have. But even if we had, we're still most unprofitable servants. We don't earn anything. But the Bible does tell us that we must do it. We must obey the gospel. We must be baptized. Jesus said it. He said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Peter said it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We understand this, but there are many who level a claim against us when we preach it that somehow we are teaching a works-based salvation. Somehow we are teaching that you can merit, you can earn salvation. No, you can't. None of us deserve it. That said, though, God has told us exactly what we must do to be saved. Well, this verse in First Peter 1 verse 21, it says, when we do it, when we obey the gospel, when we put on Christ in baptism, who are we putting our trust in? Are we putting our trust in ourselves or are we putting our trust in God to save us? Well, we're putting our trust in God, aren't we? Uh, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, not yourself. Finally, verses 22 through 25, we are born again by the word of God. Certainly this harkens back to what Jesus said in John chapter three. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He goes on to say that we must be born of water and the spirit if we want to enter the kingdom of God. Look at verse 22 here in first Peter chapter one. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Peter says we purify our souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Where might we find that? Well, let's think about baptism for a moment. Obeying the truth, obeying the gospel. I'm reminded of 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 8 talks about how 
those who do not obey the gospel of Jesus will come in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who know not God and do not obey the gospel. I'm reminded of Colossians chapter 2, where we're buried with Christ in baptism. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 6, where we go down into the water of baptism, we rise up to walk in newness of life. Where do we obey the gospel? Where do we obey the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, we do it in baptism. What about the Spirit? Well, Acts 2 verse 38, again, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, for by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. What about sincere love of the brethren? Well, I think 1 Corinthians 13 is a good reminder and shows that, where does that take place? It takes place in the church, doesn't it? And so baptism certainly checks out as obeying the truth and being born again. Look at verse number 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. That makes perfect sense because Luke 8 verse 11 says that the seed is the word of God. It's incorruptible seed. The word of God's not going anywhere. It's going to be here. I'm so thankful for that. You know, as, as bad as society gets, as bad as things look, and as horrible as, as truth is perverted into error in so many places in society today, God's word's still going to be here. And it's still going to be a light in darkness. And when people read it, and when they honestly examine it, they honestly examine their lives, when they obey that truth, namely when they put on Christ in baptism, when they obey the gospel, they become Christians. And when they do that and they continue to walk in his light, they're faithful Christians and they await the inheritance that we've been talking about the last two weeks. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because, verse 24, all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. How many souls of men, just like the grass, have passed away since those words were written. But the word of the Lord continues. The word of the Lord endures. The, Lord, the word of the Lord remains. And it will remain forever. We are mortal. Our lives are like a vapor, James tells us. And one day, our lives will vanish away. It is so important for us to take what we read here and take what we read in the rest of God's word, apply it to our lives, become Christians, walk in his light, be transformed, be sanctified, be faithful to God. Now, this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you, Peter says, as he ends chapter 1 of First Peter. Thank you for tuning in to 
the Everyday Christian podcast this week. Lord willing, next week we will take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.